0: pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for all you bless blessed us with. Thank you that we can trust you to lead, even if we don't always know the way. Bless Malice, he leads out this morning and brings the word that you've laid in his heart. Bless to those that are not with us this morning and worshiping elsewhere, that they can also have a, a time of worship together and fellowship as well. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Greetings in Jesus' name and welcome to everyone here. It's good to see so many here. I see a lot of visitors. Welcome. Good to have you here. Obviously, there's some of our people missing, too, because I see the crowd's about the same size. So this is a good uh, good time to get together. It's a holiday weekend. It's a weekend that, or a day, rather, Thursday, that was set aside as the national holiday since... 1789, i didn 't realize it was quite that far back, uh, but then it 's been since then that this date, uh, which I guess is the um, the, uh, the fourth uh, fourth Thursday thanks uh, in November set aside as a national holiday but it was it was set as a day of public thanksgiving and not, not, not like this. Uh, I guess it was in 1863 when it was then established by Abraham Lincoln as a uh, regular celebrated event each year, um, which is the last Thursday in, in November. Prior to that, it varied a little bit from sometime through October, November. Uh, but that's where what this past Thursday was. A, it's, it's still set aside as a, as a uh, national holiday, and I, I guess I'm grateful for that because it does cause us, enable us, maybe force us to look at some things that I am thankful for. And uh, I had to sort of look at my own life and realize that, yeah, really I do have a lot to be thankful for. And I, I, maybe I'll use this as a bit of a personal testimony for some of the things that have been really made real to me lately. Uh, Besides having, you know, a a roof over my head, and a house to live, and clothes to wear, and food to eat, sure. Certainly something to be grateful for. And uh, I might give you an opportunity to share some things that you're thankful for toward the end of the service. Um, I have have sort of focused on a couple areas of my life that have really been real to me. And uh, the first one I'll look at is the grace of God. And our Sunday school lesson, we had a very interesting discussion. I'm sorry to all the you that couldn't be in the men's class, but we had a good time. Hopefully you did too. But we got onto the, this uh, thing of forgiveness and what goes along with that. Not just forgiveness, but even, uh, it wasn't mentioned but grace is very much a part of that as well. We are certainly, uh, as brothers, we, we are called to give grace to one another as well. But I'm going to look first at the, at the grace of God, and that will enable us to, um, in, in, in the same way, be gracious to <clears throat> to each other as well. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to reread uh, reading verses 1-11 through 11. and this was of course written by Paul to the church's Ephesus. now we had um, just recently talked, I'm trying to remember the setting where we had looked at Paul's life uh, where he came from maybe that wasn't here just recently but we know Paul being having been a very um, I look at him as being very driven very motivated Maybe not always in the right, for the right goal or the right means, but Paul was, I look at him as a very high energy, aggressive, go get him kind of a guy. And uh, we can see that in his, before he met Christ. And I don't know if he took this upon himself to go visit all these neighboring cities and drag Christians back to Jerusalem and put them on trial and throw them in court and prison and all that. I don't know if that was just his own idea, but that's what he did. But when you think about Paul, the same motivation was then what inspired him after he met Jesus on on the road to Damascus. <clears throat> and was then again the... Um, the assignment of taking the gospel to the Gentiles, specifically. Not just them, but he was, he was given that assignment by Jesus Christ himself. So just a bit of a background on Paul. Let's read Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 11. Thinking of the grace of God and uh, how that applies to Paul and then how it can apply to us. Let read, let's read verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 3. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, notice he mentioned that specifically, Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words. Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise by, in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who in less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. One verse. In whom, one more verse, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. So, we can see that um, Paul says a lot and mentions the grace that was given to them and to himself several times. <clears throat> well, what is grace? Um, how, how do we define that? it has a couple of meanings, several meanings. Uh, I think one of them that's being sort of referred to right here is it's just undeserved favor of God. There's many ways to say that. But favor that we didn't deserve by God. And who could better relate to that than Paul? Having been one day capturing Christians and throwing them in prison... For the very reason that he is preaching here, who would know that better than Paul? <clears throat> Undeserved favor of God, or favor of God that we don't deserve. But we notice the ver- the very first word starts with "therefore," or not the very first word, but um, he uh, he 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 when it, when he uses that. Uh, he's referring to something in the previous chapter. Um, but when, when you look at the the grace that was given to you, word there there in, in, um, in verse 2, there's there's a um, an exhortation to unity of the Jews and the Gentiles. He calls this a mystery several times right here in, in this, these couple of readings right here. Uh, the mystery, and Paul makes reference of this several times in the epistles, is the in, in in the Old Testament, the gospel was exclusive to the Jews, and here of course we we see that uh, Jesus makes mention of the kingdom of heaven, which which was also part of uh, you know including all people. This is the mystery that Paul is referring to right here that the Gentiles, in verse 6, should be fellow heirs and of the same body. Now, the, the epistles make much of unity among us as brothers. Um, sometimes I think the, the, the division in our age, in our country, is, is pretty vast. And there are some vast differences, and there's people that would like to divide us into, into the different groups or classes but they really had something to work through. The Jews and the Gentiles. You remember in the temple, they had, of course, the the, the, the inner court and the outer court. And a gent if you were born a gentile, you could only go so so far into that inner circle in the temple. It was very exclusive. There is a very distinct difference in Jews and Gentiles and their privileges that they had in their worship service. And they were very much separated. And you knew who was who and where you could go and where you couldn't go. This was their temple experience. This was their temple worship experience. Now, think of that here. And this this would have been fairly soon after the resurrection. I don't have a time frame, but it would have certainly been in that same generation. Now, somehow, those walls were all just supposed to disappear, and we're just all just supposed to act like nothing. We didn't know anything before. This is the mystery that Paul is referring to right here. The unity between Jews and Gentiles. And certainly... um, there was, there was some huge differences and mental blocks that they had to somehow overcome. And, and I know that we at Crystal Valley certainly are a, uh, a diverse group. I'm not quite sure that we have quite that degree of diversity here. We all have our own upbringing and our own background that somehow we need to blend here in the brotherhood. And this is the call that he is putting forth to us. And I can imagine the grace, if you will, that had to be extended to one another during that time. They had a lot of uh, Old Testament teachings that were taught and practiced and ingrained for thousands of years that they, they were somehow asked to lay aside and overcome that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of his promise and uh, I also like the, uh, uh, the, the verse where it says that grace is, is given according to, the, uh, according to the measure of God, of the, of the gift of God now uh, I don't know what that means, I don't know what that measure is I don't know how God measures grace. Does he use a little teaspoon? Is it a great big spoon? Is it a pitcher? Is it a dump truck load? It doesn't say. And I think the point being that there's enough. Whatever you need, there's enough. And I can imagine these people here in this setting here really would have needed a huge dose of grace to overcome some of the former teachings, some of the practices, some of the mental blocks that they would have had to overcome. The grace of God certainly is something that we can all claim. And I think, too, it's also um, up to us to, to, to claim it. Like I said, claim it. Reach out and accept it. It it is a gift, according to the measure of the gift of God. It is a gift. You know, a gift only does you some good if you accept it. Whatever that gift is, if you're offered a gift and you refuse it, that gift does you no good. But as you accept it and use it in whatever way it was meant to be used, it really does do you some good. This is grace, given according to... The measure of the gift of God, the grace of God. Certainly, um, hopefully, that's that's something that we can all uh, see in our lives, claim and and use for God's glory. And certainly, like Paul did, he was able to use that gift um, very, very much <clears throat> in a real way, and to certainly to God's honor and glory, and for the furtherance of his kingdom. Another area, especially that I am thankful for, and I'm hoping I can prompt you into some of these areas as well to take a good look at it in your own life, is the goodness of God. Now, if uh, (coughs) sometimes things come into your life or to my life, and we might question the goodness of God, Is God really good? Really? Um, Let's turn to Exodus 34 for a few verses. And this is God's own testimony of himself. Now we know that God has no equal, so there's no one that can vouch for God, of course. So he does it for himself. In um, Exodus 34, this is, this is God's covenant with Israel as it was given to Moses. And he speaks of his own goodness in these verses. Let's read verses 4 through 9 in Exodus 34. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning... And went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, <clears throat> keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression trespass of sin, And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste, and bowed his head, and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, be among us, for it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. Okay, so we see God proclaiming His own virtues, goodness being one of them, along with some others, to Moses right here. Now, I don't, I don't know why God would have had to tell Moses that, except we tend to uh, forget and uh, just, yeah, I guess just forget. But Moses had been through a lot as he led Israel out of slavery to this point but God is again reminding him this is who I am. He said I'm merciful, gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. He's also merciful, he forgives and on and on and on. This is this is God saying this about himself. <clears throat> you know, today in our day in a digital age especially. We rate different things by a standard that Google has set. For some reason, they have set a, a rating standard that most of us can relate to. You go to a hotel, you go out to dinner, you do whatever. There many times you're offered, given a chance, maybe sometimes coerced, to leave a review based on Google's uh, standard that they have set. Five stars. Five is excellent. Four is good. Three is fair. Two is poor. And one is unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. So how would you rate God's goodness using Google's standard? This would be... uh, I'm not going to ask you to reveal that. But, you know, it took me... It took me a little while to realize that I wasn't giving God a fair rating. There was maybe a time in my life when I may not have given Him five stars. But I I do. I can now. You know, when God revealed Himself to Moses... And the nation of Israel, God, he proclaimed his goodness to Moses himself. Because, as I said, God has no equal. There's no one qualified or capable to vouch for God or to, to uh, uh, yeah, he, he has no equal. A couple verses I want to look into. James 1, 17. And this, is, this is not in the Old Testament. This is now in the New Testament written by James. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, if, I guess what this is saying, if a gift is good, it ultimately comes from our God, our good, unchanging God. You know, in our world of evil and pain and suffering and death, you know, we, we do tend to, Question: Sometimes God's goodness—is God really good? You know, it it, it can, and it, I guess this was what I was guilty of. It can have to do with perspective. If self is your perspective or your exaltation, or yeah, of self, then it it is a bit tough to give God a good rating if that's what if that's what your uh, definition of goodness is, it's just beyond yourself you know, if if you're good to the degree that I'm happy and more content, yeah then then I'd give God five stars but if there's any, any of the others, the pain and the suffering and the evil and the death uh, then I'm going to think twice, isn't that sometimes how we think, you know it, it depends on if I become the reference point for God goodness. <clears throat> it it also could be a matter of time. You know, if I only live for here and now, things are not always good. Things will not always good. We have our first snowstorm, and that makes some treacherous hazardous driving. And uh, it's sometimes hard to see God's goodness when you're in the ditch slid off the road from, from slippery roads. How would you rate God's goodness in that setting? These are things that that uh, we need to see beyond in here and now <clears throat> and look at a, 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 a greater picture, a broader picture. You know, others equate goodness with niceness, or good manners, never hurting anyone's feeling, always saying positive things, complimenting others, you know, and uh, being, even in our modern times, being politically correct, uh, those are all things that that some would relate as goodness. But uh, certainly God is far beyond that and again, we need to look beyond the <clears throat> excuse me beyond the here and now. When we when you think about rating, giving God a rating for goodness, um, just remember what He said of Himself. And certainly, God is 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 as as mentioned here in in, in Exodus, He's abundant in goodness and truth, and truth. The goodness of God, certainly something that um, I am very grateful for. Hopefully, we can all um, say that as well. Another point that I have been very uh, grateful and thankful for is the faithful saints. You right here, especially. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 1. Read a couple of verses here. This was again written by Paul to a different church, the Church of Philippi. He was again seeing the value, the benefit, the blessing of being part of God's kingdom, and especially being uh, involved in in a group like that, or a group like we have here, the faithful saints. Let's read Philippians 1, verses 1 through 6. Paul and Timotheus, the servants, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are filled by, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the very, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it even until the day of Jesus Christ now we see here Paul and Timothy were on this journey and visited the church at Philippi and again realizing now some of these churches were sort of uh, Paul's uh, yeah his project you might say a direct uh, result of his work and his effort and so he had a very uh, a direct connection a very keen relationship with them And he is also wishing grace on them. Uh, Grace and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He was very uh, grateful for them as he thought of them. And even committed to praying for them as they came to his mind. Um, He talks about the fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Meaning from the first day that well, whatever they considered the first day when the church was first formed, and uh, until now, and of course recognizing the growth, the uh, the saints and Paul certainly. This was just one of, of, of many churches that Paul was involved in. That was was directly responsible for in 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 starting and and uh, pastoring and mentoring, and uh, this was certainly um, part of the. Well, I'm going to turn back to that. I keep making reference. I'm going to turn back to uh, the account where Jesus met him on the on the Damascus Road. Paul was Paul was. Um, well, there we have it in verse chapter chapter nine is when we have his last uh, his last venture, as you will, going out and uh, doing his own thing, as I said earlier, capturing. Believers and bringing them back and into uh, Jerusalem and even uh, committing them to prison. And then Jesus met him on his way to Damascus and said, Suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he answered, Who art thou, Lord? Now, where did that Lord thing come from? How did he know it was... Well, he didn't know who this Lord was. He just knew it was some greater power that, uh, that did this to him. And of course, uh, yeah, he certainly was <clears throat> powerless on his own, was struck with blindness, had to be led by the hand for a couple of days. And uh, then down in verse 15... We have that assignment given to him by the Lord. It says, go thy way. So this is, this is to Ananias that Ananias was then to convey to Paul. Um, go thy way. This is God, the Lord speaking to Ananias. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name for the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. <clears throat> And it's, I think it's significant that Jesus or God mentions the Gentiles. He didn't exclude the Jews. He even included kings and rulers in that. He is to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And Paul, it seems like during Paul's journey, the Gentiles were short of his, his focus. And he was very directly involved in bringing them the gospel and uh, <clears throat> ushering or introducing them to the kingdom of God uh, in spite of their past uh, history of, of being excluded from that. But uh, <clears throat> that was Paul's assignment. And then all along with that, of course, uh, as I mentioned, he wasn't uh, God didn't exclude the Israelites from him in, in that assignment as well, but specifically the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So we can see that Paul certainly did have a, a, a whole um, group, a network of, of uh, faithful saints around him as he, he did a lot of traveling and was able to visit them from time to time and encourage them and they in turn encouraged and blessed him as well. And even though my traveling has been somewhat limited in that sense, um, I certainly look back to the uh, you know, last couple of years here of the encouragement and the blessing that, that uh, you as a group of faithful saints have been to me. And so I've been, I've been blessed as I reflected on these, especially these couple of areas in my life, the uh, certain specific areas that, that I am thankful for. And uh, I'm going to, uh, after we pray, I'm going to give you a chance to express yourself if there's anything that you want to express publicly some area of of your life that you are grateful for, I'm going to give you the opportunity. So let's kneel and pray, and then we'll uh, have some testimonies after that. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have been so good to us. You have blessed us in so many ways. Father, your grace is beyond measure. And thank you that you truly give us this gift according to your measure, this gift that you have, according to your measure. The need is, is there, but the measure of grace is sufficient, is adequate. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, especially, Father, for your blessing on us as a group here, Father, we look back over the years and realize that you truly have been faithful in this. And we also acknowledge your goodness. Father, we thank you that you truly do have no equal. There's no one who can vouch for you except you yourself. And we thank you, Lord, that you have displayed this in many ways. Your goodness has been displayed down throughout the years, generation to generation, and your goodness and your mercy and truth certainly do abound. Thank you, too, for the, the faithful saints all around us, especially those in my life. We pray your, uh, your blessing, especially on this group here. Thank you also for each one that is here from other groups. Father, we realize that we all have that same common bond with one another, and that is through you. You, Jesus Christ, being the bond for all of us. And we pray that you would give us the grace and the strength to extend um, grace to one another, that we might also be unified and brought together in our common uh, love and devotion for you. And we want to thank you, especially in Jesus' name. Amen.